You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody, guys and gals. Look, um, we're going to get into obviously, you know, it was, yeah, I mean, apparently there was practice today. Um, and you probably would know by, uh, you know, obviously some written articles. But uh, look, if this is going to go like it's going to go, you're going to get this type of stuff. So, you know, obviously, some big stories written today. Uh, GQ magazine on Baker Mayfield um, over at SI. Ben Baskin wrote a piece, you know, basically, you know, kind of got to follow a lot of the offseason. Then uh, the Odell, the Jarvis. We're going to get into that here with Pete Smith, your local experts, on the biggest stories for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, Pete, I guess we'll start. And it's, you know, it's funny because I actually, um, Ben's going to hopefully get on the show tomorrow morning. I got to talk to him a little bit today. And it's, I, look, neither, neither outlet had any idea that this was going to go down today, that either article was going to go down at the same time. It's not usually how you want to do things, but obviously it just, you know, brought a lot and I brought a lot of the haters, uh, Browns wise, because nothing been proven to this point into the equation, but, uh, the GQ piece and this may be something where Baker Mayfield's talking to GQ magazine and may have said something in passing that he never thought was going to get into a GQ article. Um, look, do I believe he said it? I absolutely 110% believe he said it. Do I really think he was taking a sw- huge swing at the kid? No, I think he was doing what everybody else did draft night. Uh, but you know, this is kind of where we're at with this beat, you know, Baker, you know, look, Baker's not going to run away from things he truly said, but it kind of got himself into a little bit of situation here today. No, he confirmed he said it because he went on uh, Instagram and uh, clarified by expanding on what was said. Um, and is it a shot at uh, the poor quarterback? Yeah, a little bit, but really it's a shot at Dave Gettleman, by the way. Is it and original? We're, I'm going to tie these. I'm going to tie these two articles together here today. We'll get to that later in the show. But go ahead. I mean, yeah. I mean, as much as it's it's about Daniel Jones and sort of really sort of a commentary on how maybe Baker sort of looks at the quarterback position or maybe thinks teams evaluate it poorly. It's more about valuation in terms of where. Daniel Jones was picked, and really it's more of a shot at the Giants and Dave Gettleman than anything, which a lot of these articles seem to be. And, uh, you know, in that sense, I'm all with him. I don't I, I, I don't see how Dave Gettleman is going to be there af- after this year. It's And this is where we'll get to it, and I'll tie it together a little bit later. But, yeah, there's there's zero doubt about that. There's, there's some shots on the Giants, and, look, this – and without putting out, you know, the – cart before the horse. Odell's definitely kind of, I mean, Baker's kind of sticking out for Odell here, but do I think he believed it? Just like everybody believed it on draft night. There's no, you know, of course I do. I, I truly think, you know, he believed it. It was a stretch pick. And you know, the one thing that, you know, and Baker, it seemed like, you know, he felt like, you know, look, part of it is, you know, being able to win and, you know, being and showing that you can be a winning quarterback at that level. And that's where that for me, Pete, the, the, the article was good towards the end. And, you know, when it talked about when, you know, the jet wind and obviously talking to his fiance and he's like, well, he's like, babe, this is, this is what they brought me here to do. And it brought me back to the uh, Rose Bowl week versus Georgia in the playoffs where he was sick and he had missed those couple of days. And it was, look, you know, I, you know, Baker's got to talk and he got up there. No, I'm not still feeling so great, but it's not fair that my teammates are out here, you know, every day answering questions 
that the quarterback's supposed to do. This is my job. This is who he is. And uh, I, I know this is one you loved here, and you can get with you know where where Freddie went with some of the comments he had about Baker today. Well, I mean, there's there was there's this question of well, does it put a you know bigger target on on Baker's back? I mean, everybody who is looking at Baker Mayfield sort of wants him to fail already. It's not like he says anything else and it's going to make that, that any bigger. I mean, Baker's aware and Freddie Kitchens is aware that he has to win. He has to deliver, you know, that's the bottom line. He can say whatever he wants so long as he's winning. And, and again, this isn't like some horrible thing for him to say. It's just, He's being honest, and it's another situation where we want our athletes to be honest until they are, and then we don't want to be honest anymore. Uh, that, you know, if he does what he's supposed to do, no one will care. It'll be – when I originally saw this, I sort of thought of it like Charles Barkley, where it's not that he's, like, negative. He just sort of says what he thinks and doesn't care. I'm and, not here to be your kid's role model. You be your kid's role model. Yeah, it's just he's not there to sort of moderate himself for you. Uh, he's there to if he says something, he's gonna sort of live with it, and that's fine. It's not and and it's not a problem. But I mean, like relative, if you're like trying to put this on the a, a chart of Baker Mayfield antics, this doesn't even compare to things that he's actually done. So I mean, this isn't this doesn't even qualify for like a misdemeanor. It's nothing. Uh, I, I don't, I don't see it as anything. And I like Freddie Kitchens and sort of like, I, this is why I think he's a good fit for Baker Mayfield is he's very good at not caring about this stuff and sort of letting it roll off his back. It'd be, you know, it would be a, a stupid on Freddie's part to sort of sit there and go, well, he shouldn't say this type of stuff, all this, you know, and say he's going to, you know, sort of read the riot act to Baker Mayfield over how he should, uh, deal with interviews and all this stuff. He's basically like uh, Freddie's only really concerned in terms of what's going to actually impact his team in terms of what's going to help them win, win, win games. You know, this type of stuff is a nothing to him and it should be. Um, and as far as, you know, Freddie's line of, you know, uh, you know, is he worried about whether or not this is going to put, you know, the X and the mark on Baker's back? Baker's comfortable with that. I think Baker wants that mark. Uh, he's essentially put that mark on himself now for years now. He's comfortable with it. Um, and as far as being a good teammate, it's something he does where others don't have to deal with things. Look, Miles Garrett isn't feeling very well right now. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's concerned about it because it, you, that stuff gets deflected away because you have the lightning rod who is the quarterback. Uh, you know, it, it just, he probably wish it didn't get out there because he probably feels a little bit like a jerk because it did get out there. And obviously now, now Daniel Jones had to answer questions about it and a whole bunch of Giants players who probably ain't going to do too much this year had a bunch to say. Fantastic, guys. Whatever. Go about that yourselves. Uh, and we'll get into that when we get here to, uh, you know, obviously, the next article. But, you know, it's it's Baker saying, you know, look, you can always put it on me. I don't care what it is, the good, the bad, the ugly. Put it on me, whoever you want to do it here. I'm the quarterback. It comes along with the job. And, you know, it, it, and obviously what makes Baker and Freddie a good fit also, though, is because they're, they're similar. You know, Freddie was a guy that never – Freddie had to get a chance to get a chance at a head coaching job somewhere. So I think they kind of, you know, I think Freddie sees a lot of 
himself in Baker. And, you know, even, you know, if you look back at Freddie at Alabama, it wasn't too much similar. Obviously, Freddie wasn't the player, but, you know, they were the, they weren't, they were viewed before they were, you know, assessed essentially. So I think that kind of goes into it. Um, we're going to get here into the SI article a little bit next, but Pete, anything we miss on the GQ one. And I, I, I think the better article with the SI one, cause you've got a ton more out of it. Um, but you know, you just throw Baker's name into anything, you know, it becomes the story. No, I mean, if anything, it's another exercise that sort of showcases that, uh, nobody is more aware of what it means uh, when he has to, you know, that he has to win and deliver than Baker Mayfield. No, he's not, you're not like catching him by surprise that, you know, you win or people are going to pile on you. This has been his whole life. Uh, it was the same way at Oklahoma, you know, when he, uh, you know, did things when, when they beat him in uh, Norman, when they came back and he planted the flag in Columbus, he's not unaware that these things have consequences. He's just, not all that worried about it in terms of as long as he does his job and delivers, he'll be fine. And that's, that's the case here. And for all the people with, Oh, I hope they fall. Blah, 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 blah. Trust me. I, I think they've thought this through and I'm sure Baker has thought it through. And look, there's going to be some times where Baker's going to have to go back and pay, you know, pay the piper, so to speak. And it's going to be what it is, but you know, <laughs> look, but, but who, who are the people out there who are like, you know, Baker was fine, but this, now he's over. Yeah, no, like all of a sudden today it's a problem. He's grabbed his crotch. He's ran from cops. He's planted a flag in the big house. But all of a sudden, because he wasn't nice to Daniel Jones, this is the final straw. Yeah, now, it, you know, this is the line. This is the line. This is the line you can't crush. You're overcooking my grits, Baker. Yep, absolutely. That's it. You know, that this son of a gun, that's it. He's out of here. There's nothing we can do with it. Get the six jerseys out of the house. We're done here. Look, this is the guy he is. This is the guy he's always been. This is the guy he's always going to be. Enjoy it. Love it. Pete's going to hit you from the good. Uh, the words from the good folks over at Blue Chew. I'm going to switch over to the SI. We got some uh, listener questions here. Can I have a little fun with this one here tonight? Right. So if you're if you're like Jeff and you need help to make sure you can please the wife at home, this is you know dedicated to uh, a particular listener. Who uh, has not had enough of this? If you're like, we Jeff, love you, Paul. We love you, Paul. Not that you're much different. Paul, but go ahead. And you need, and you need to make sure that uh, the wife isn't going to leave you this time for good. Uh, consult the folks at Blue Chew to make sure you're taking care of business at home. That's blue, like the color blue. Uh, blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You know they work. You can uh, take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast. So you can be ready anytime the opportunity arises. And if it's like Jeff, it's probably like a desert oasis at this point. Uh, <laughs> as she probably already thrown his shit on the line and uh, moved on. But uh, folks at Blue Chew will take care of you in terms of making it easy, get yourself a prescription. Uh, and they are looking out for you in terms of making it a, a discreet packaging. Not that anyone, especially Jeff, should be ashamed if anything should be a a badge of honor at this point uh, that uh, they make sure that uh, they take care of you. So look up the folks at Blue Chew, check out the uh, the promo code, uh, and uh, let them help you out, save you some money, get you get you on your way to, uh, in Jeff's case, maybe salvage this thing. <laughs> to all you Browns fans, look, uh, maybe your Monday nights, Sundays, Thursday nights, 
whenever. Uh, maybe you were looking for sympathy sex. Uh, maybe, maybe now victory sex. Uh, so Blue Chew, if you need it, promo code capital L, capital L, locked on. We appreciate the folks over at Blue Chew for the sponsorship of everyone over here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, Pete, we shifted over to the SI article. And, you know, I think the one thing that came really well from this piece, and whether it's Dorsey, who got bounced from Kansas City for after he put together a really good team, you know, some of the contracts became an issue. And maybe part of it was, well, we got Mahomes now. We've got our future. I don't know how much we need this. And then, then they went into Freddie. A little bit on a Baker. And I think they kind of, and everybody who wants to paint this picture of the Browns, well, you know, they haven't won anything. They're doing a lot of talking. And even now where you bring Odell in and Odell, who, you know, was in New York and, I mean, it, it, and I got to see this every day and experience every day. Oh, it's great. He caught nine passes for 132 yards, two touchdowns. We still lost by seven because he's supposed to do everything, including sell the freaking hot dogs. You have a collective group from the top to the coach to the players. Everybody still feels like they got something to prove. And I think that's like the common thing here is everybody's just like, that's fine. I mean, you know, a lot of people doubt us and a lot of people say we aren't what we are. And, you know, when you get a collective group like that, it's almost like, you know, I don't want to say like wounded animals because they're not necessarily, but, but, you know, there's some pissed offness to almost everybody in that building from the top to the bottom. There are a number of grudges. There are a lot of, uh, oh, yeah, you don't want me. Well, let me show you what I got type, type stuff or, you know, proving proving whoever, whatever, you know, real, contrived or otherwise that, that they're selling, you know, whoever's short, whether it's Odell Beckham, Freddie Kitchens, you know, John Dorsey. There's a lot of there's there's this sort of and, and I think, you know, this is carried over from, from last year because I think Greg Williams was very good at sort of, uh, you know, establishing that mantra about earning respect and getting people to so know you are. And they, they, you know, they had a lot of guys get a little bit chesty in terms of that defense, like, you know, uh, Demarius Randall and Jabril Peppers to some extent sort of uh, took on that. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's that element of, you know, not only do I feel like, I'm being underrated, but now I'm on a team that that people don't respect, and collectively they're all looking to sort of basically stick it to everybody who's ever questioned them. Hey, look, I mean, I'm fine with that. Uh, it's kind of like the type of person I am, <laughs> kind of how I live my life. So maybe that's why I, with each passing day, I get more and more engrossed with the product they build because it's like I get it. And, you know, and nobody wants to be put in that corner and, you know, obviously Baker's band, you know, Freddie and obviously Odell. Um, but the interesting thing here were, you know, the transactions and, you know, it was almost like John and, and this is the part they put in where John was like, all right, well, we got the Vernon deal done. And he, and he called and Hey, what would it take for Odell? And John gave his sales speech. Dave Gettleman counteracted. And it was 4.30, I guess March 11th, you know, was the day. And then John got off the phone. He's, holy crap. I think we might pull this off. And obviously, and let's see, because I, I know we were recording. So you figure our normal time in, in March was probably about seven or so. So about, you know, two and a half to three hours later, 
the deal was, you know, finally agreed upon. And now here it is. And and there's even more to it. And we're going to get to this where the, these two articles kind of tie into each other. But it was just and Gettleman just I don't think Gettleman know, knew what to do, knew how to handle a player of Odell. Or maybe they just didn't feel they had enough talent in there to truly make it work. But I'm still going to love March 11th. I'm going to love March 11th for a lot of years. Well, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you know, Odell Beckham, whether this is, you know, a revised version of events or what actually happened is basically uh, his belief that the New York Giants basically sent him to Cleveland to sort of rot. this uh, suggests that the, despite the, uh, you know, the fable that has been written in regards to this deal, that basically Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, made this deal happen, that that, in fact, was always nonsense, never made any sense in the first place. And more of a Look, nobody's ever doubted their friendship, but Jarvis Landry isn't driving the bus in Cleveland, okay? This worked out for the two of them. And look, this came out in this piece that the two of them are obviously still pretty close. We'll see what happens over the next year. And this is great for now. This is something they had talked about. But, no, Jarvis Landry didn't put any of this together. Stop. Right. And, and look, I mean, it's a trade. Ultimately, it's not like they had they asked permission. They said, boom, here it is. And then, you know, you get the guy here and you try to make him, you know, buy into it. And, and fortunately, with Odell Beckham, uh, that has happened. Now, did you know? Does having Jarvis Landry help for that? Probably, uh, but uh, you know, the, they are friends. But this idea that like one thing happens without the other is insane, and and no one works like that. And there's going to be a day down the road where, and however their careers line up, and look, they may remain friends, and they're going to sit back, and the two of them are going to laugh how they took the NFL for a couple hundred million between the two of them and God bless them. Uh, you know, it, you know, not messing with anybody's money. So God bless them both for that. couple of things from the SI article for me was, you know, and you, you guys heard me talk about the giants. You see me tweet about the giants and Odell put it perfectly. They only relied on me on third down. They ran me on so many slant routes that the opposition was calling the routes out. And Odell's quote, they're old and they're antiquated in their way they're thinking, which you guys have heard me say a million times. And also another part of it is, though, is Dave Gettleman, I can truly believe, Pete, 100%. He was naive enough to think, I'm sending him to Cleveland. We're going to get the last laugh. Ha ha, you're, you're the Browns. Meanwhile, the Giants drafted six. The Browns were drafting 17. The Browns just went from 0-16 to seven, eight, and one. Meanwhile, they were the Giants drafting in the top six for the second year in a row. I truly think Dave Gettleman believed this. He truly believed he was sending Odell Beckham to an awful situation. A to a city. Oh, it's Cleveland. Actually, this is a city that will embrace somebody. You can be yourself. He did Odell, he never made himself, he didn't make himself a superstar. That one-handed catch made himself a superstar. Was he ready for it? Probably not. He was a freaking 21-year-old kid. But now here he is in Cleveland, and he's comfortable. And it's a, it, Cleveland is a do-your-job city. It, it, I really think Dave Gettleman thought he was giving him the scroogey here. Well, this is where I sort of think there's some, okay. some, poetic, there's some poetic license being taken here. 
I think most everything about this is the fact that Cleveland's an AFC team uh, that they don't play uh, in the foreseeable future, and that's you know well, they, they, they play next year apparently, but it's not this year. Yes, I mean, so you got him out of your, you got him out of your division, you got him out of your conference, you got him on a team you won't see until next year. Um, so relatively speaking, you know, Odell Beckham in Cleveland doesn't really impact the Giants at all. So it, it, is it? I think this is more per, more Beckham's perception of reality than maybe the actual reality. Uh, I, I, my guess is the Browns offered more than, or, or what the Giants felt like was more than the other AFC teams that the Giants. That, what I got today, and I reached out to a couple of people, the the Browns offered the better immediate return. Now, what's and they got to keep in mind the Browns were drafting 17. Now, I mean, how many teams were going to give up their first round pick higher than that? Even as great as Odell is, not a lot of teams were going to do that. A lot of teams, the deal was it was a better deal, but it wasn't a better deal for making your team better for 2019. That's that's what made the Browns the better deal. The Brown basically the Giants took the bird in hand as opposed to what could be. So, uh, as much as I'm inclined to think Dave Gettleman is a jackass, and I do, um, and I don't. Is, but <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Too. Uh, yeah, I don't think this necessarily would be the reason. I don't think he was sitting there going, "Well, Beckham's going to a bad situation." I mean, as as bad of a GM as he is, and how many times he's made dumb trades with the Browns. I mean, he just helped power them in so many ways. I mean, he, he, in Carolina, he gave up a fourth round pick for a punter. Um, they, they, I think it just comes down to making the calculation that whatever the Browns do, it's not going to impact the Giants, and and they got a, 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 a the best package they could get. Now, um, that doesn't make it a good trade. Uh, you know, I think they'll be fine. I, I think the fact that uh, you know, I think Jabril Peppers will be great, but th- that doesn't change the fact that he took a freaking nose tackle uh, at seventeen. I don't think that is going to pay off for them. So. He's going to play a, some Rush and Pete in their odd man front. So you better watch out for that after he had uh, a sack and a half in his last year at Clemson. Yeah. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, you know, Dave Gettleman is, 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 is wrong for a lot of reasons. I don't, I don't think he, he was naive to think that just sending him to Cleveland was going to be automatically a death sentence. I don't, you know, I, I, there was, this was a, Popular thing, and I don't doubt it at the time that that the the reason the uh, Patriots were unwilling to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, who can't play dead, uh, to the Browns was great that uh, you know they they were so mismanaged and and awful that they'd essentially botched anything with him, and then he'd end up on the Jets. This I don't think there's anything like this with with Odell Beckham. Obviously, he's got a longer term deal and everything else. It's just about that the Browns aren't really going to affect them. It's, I mean, there's, it's definitely two ways to look at it. Um, I don't know. I, I do think Dave Gettleman is that old and that naive. And especially when you had a fading quarterback and went running back at two. And by the time the Giants play in relevant games, God knows how many carries and mileage on the tires Saquon Barkley is going to have. So that's where I'm at with that. Uh, way to help Pete, way to help me. Uh, Brownsmaven.com. Uh, be go over there, become a member, get involved with the forums. Uh, Pete, uh, there's going to be a lot more traffic picking up there. Uh, obviously, you know, part of the SI, you know, part of Sports Illustrated, they're going to get a bunch moving on over there as we get closer and closer here to uh, what becomes, you know, real and relevant football. 
at Browns Maven on Twitter. Make sure you uh, throw a follow over there. The show itself, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever. Make sure you subscribe. Written reviews, five-star ratings. Always a great way to help. And uh, we appreciate you guys for all the support that you're giving Pete and I here through what should be a very, very fun 2019 season. Pete, we've got some listener questions here. And the first one is, and look, I, I'm not going to give you a hard time on it because I've actually done this myself. Um, although I never went with the Irish approach, but that's okay. Um, Pete, why haven't they tried the big Irish guy as a place kicker? I call him Polish. He's actually Scottish. He's always been a kicker. And that was kind of funny with what Freddie said today. Be, oh, he's a kicker. Well, I mean, he was a kicker. I, I, maybe it's too late in the game. Maybe he wins the punting job and you got yourself a long distance guy. And, but everybody don't put too much stock into the fact that it was, you know, it was the, you know, the practice hold thingy. There was no snap. There was no nothing, but yeah, there's, we know Gillen's got a freaking strong leg. That's the whole point is, is, you know, you're just setting it up on that, you know, the auto, the, just the little holder thing, and you can kick it at your own pace and whatever. And even, like, uh, I'll be honest, like, one or two of those look like they were never getting over the defensive line. Well, I mean, by by nature of the fact you're kicking a 60-yard field goal, you're aiming at a... Yeah, because you got to drill it low. low it's like golf. So, yeah, I mean, in that sense, you don't really know. Um, but uh, I've always understood it that, you know, in terms of, like, NFL that you really don't want your kicker and punter same guy because biomechanically they sort of uh, work against each other and sort of can cause physical issues. Um, but what if they got hurt? Anything? Well, that's yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> so, you know, I don't, if, if he works at it enough and it won't be this year where he can be a competitive kicker, certainly that's more valuable uh, even if he's only doing a you know a few long kicks than 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 uh, than just being a punter, but you know right now it's just sort of like a like seeing Odell Beckham throw the ball you know eighty yards on a UCLA's practice field. I mean it's cool, but I you know I don't know how much it's really worth right this second. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's it's the tough part, and it's it's obviously right now it's too late in the game. That's the problem. Um, does he win the punting job and you have, you know, a guy who can maybe an attempt a 67 yard field goal to close out a half or hopefully not a ball game. Cause we don't ever want to be in that freaking position. Um, could he be your kickoff guy? That'd be fantastic. And just let these, whatever kickers going to be just focus on kicking freaking field goals. Cause there is that aspect to it. Um, we never, we actually never got to this with you because uh, when it went down, you guys had the scrimmage Friday night. We had Jared Mueller on. It is a good question. Um, if the course of events for Josh Gordon, how did it only lead to like a month? How did it only lead to like three to four game suspension if it's strike six, strike seven? This is a good point. And like for me, it almost feels like Josh Gordon, it's just like the NFL has a wheel. And I think I said it to Jared, you know, there's Neil. Uh, Neil, go spin the wheel and let's see where we are with Josh Gordon. Oh, seven-game suspension. Uh, oh, Josh Gordon's eligible. Like, it, it just seems like the weirdest thing how the league handles this one in particular player. Right. Uh, there was a 
A suggestion, uh, you know, in the form of a report by Ben Volin, I believe, who's who, who who covers the Patriots, that basically suggested that the league bent over backwards for Josh Gordon on this, and I have no idea why. Um, right. And I don't know exactly what caused him to be suspended this past time. Like, if he actually had a failed test, or if he just went to rehab, or whatever. If it, you know, they don't have a failed test, but he sort of took himself out. I guess you can make the case, but in general, you know, this but on is- the bye week they had a PI chasing him. He lost the PI for God's sake. So I mean, obviously something wasn't going right. Right. So the, you know, and ultimately this is this is the issue with having judge, jury, and executioner be all the same guy. Is it's Roger Goodell. You know, when you say indefinitely suspended and can apply for reinstatement, it's up to him to decide whenever he feels like putting him in, he can put him in. So uh, this comes back to the fact there's no uniform policy with these things uh, when you get into this point, And it's basically up to him to decide when th- he feels like it's OK. And so, you know, if, if he has if an o- certain owner has his ear, you know, he could theoretically be pliable on this issue and. You know, the, a, a a suspension might be longer for one uh, one team than it is for another, simply by virtue of that having that access and potential relationship. So it just goes back to the the fact that there's no there's nothing resembling equal justice under the law type thing uh, with the NFL. It is completely arbitrary on this type of issue, and this is where it really looks not just bad but shady and potentially corrupt. Yeah, like there's just. There's zero rhyme or reason to it. And, and look, I'm all for, you know, giving a first-time offender a chance or a guy, you know. I mean, it seems really weird that Josh Gordon is going to play and as long as he doesn't screw up, can play this entire season. But even, I mean, and we don't believe Golden Tate, but at least he was a 10-year veteran and at least what he put in his body is almost somewhat plausible. We're giving Josh Gordon the benefit of the freaking doubt. Right. I mean, it's again, it's, it comes down to no, no. He's equal. missed more games than he's ever played. Like how, what makes him the one? I mean, like he got like the, the freaking Willy walk and the golden ticket and the freaking chocolate bar. No different than like the NCAA transfer rules where you have like <laughs> fields, get a fields, get a, uh, approved for you know what he felt was uh racism towards him at at georgia but then you have like the kid who's trying to transfer back to illinois because his grandmother's very sick and he wants to be able to be close enough to home and that guy gets rejected so it's just very arbitrary and there's nothing that really governs that to sort of look after it other than public reaction it's just embarrassing on any and all levels. It's it, it's there's just no other way to put it. I mean, you got to get your shit together. You just absolutely have to get your stuff together. Um, I, people are getting to this point of the day here now. Obviously, I know you're busy, but you, you know, got a little bit more of your middays. League wise, Brown wise, anything you want to input here? Uh, Jalen Smith got a contract extension with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, that's, that, that's a, warm that's a big deal for obviously him and the Cowboys and how much money they have and all these other things. But obviously uh, it's a, it's an off ball linebacker and a very good one that uh, is, you wink, know, a, wink, wink, wink. 
another contract comparison for one jo- Joseph Schobert uh, that, you know, and this is where, you know, if you get these deals done earlier and faster, then, you know, you know, maybe it works out in this case that having the compare comparison is better for the Browns, but it just seems like the longer they wait, the more expensive some of these guys are going to get and they're going to lose leverage by giving it the control of it to their side. And I don't know why we, the Browns aren't acting to get some of these guys locked up now uh, to sort of plan ahead. Uh, paying the freight early. That's something you might want to do. Uh, and it's something to do to keep, you know, and because the other thing is that's where you can start to redo contracts to your benefit when more cap gets eaten up by guys when you have, you know, two number one overall picks, a number four overall pick. But we've harped on this stuff enough. But Pete, uh, the, the cool thing about this is, and in obviously Jalen Smith is obviously a very, very fortunate young man. Um, for the Cowboys, they literally, it was, it was a scratch off when they drafted him. He had a 20% chance that he was ever going to play football again. And for us, for, for me and you who absolutely love the draft, you hate to see a kid's, you know, book be closed before it was ever essentially opened. And that's the cool thing about this for Jalen Smith. Yeah, uh, it's awesome. I mean, it, you know, the injury sucked when it happened. It, it turned, obviously, the game off, turned the game off the second it happened. Yeah, I mean, it put a huge uh, damper on the bowl game between Ohio State and Notre Dame at that point. Uh, Notre Dame obviously got run out of the stadium as in typical Notre Dame fashion. Uh, and then, you know, <laughs> sort of like the lingering thing that just made it suck is is like and, and, and more fuel for every agent uh, trying to get these kids to come out earlier and skip uh, bowl games because of this fear is is it's good from the standpoint standpoint of he's managed to make it through also suggests he's that that freakishly freakish of an athlete that it worked out this way uh the other thing that apparently is happening as we speak is that the dolphins and jakeem grant are close to a four-year extension uh they're there until 2023 i'm not sure where the, the dolphins are going with any of this um look just start josh rosen see if he got something there if it's patrick you know what Fitzpatrick is so it just figure it out. Trying I, to do. I have no idea. I have no idea. And, uh, trying to go zero and sixteen. I don't think they think that. I, I'll be honest with you. There is nobody dolphin wise who think they're going to go on sixteen. But I don't think they are the. I don't think they are even the third. I don't even think they are the third best team in the AFC East. But hey, you know, look, everybody's got that lovely. I saw. Nate Orchard was their best pass rusher. They're awful. Nate Orchard's in Miami? Yeah. And he's going to uh, make the team? According to what's-his-face, Omar or whatever the hell, that that, that oh. proceeds South Beast, he's their best pass rusher. Yes, okay. Well, that's <laughs> to quote a paraphrase. Well, that's something right there. Um, we're going to get closer to putting this to bed. Obviously, folks, it's Indians, Mets for a couple games this week. Um, Take it easy on me, guys. Take it easy on me. I'll be nice. I'll try to be quiet. Try to keep myself to the side here. Mets need it more than the Indians. And uh, you all begged me for a two-game sweep in Minnesota about a month ago. And Mets were nice enough to give that to you. So we'll go with that. I'll tell you what, though. Bieber is all sorts of stinking nasty. Uh, Pete, uh, what you got hopping in? Uh, what you got in the hopper over at Maven? 
Uh, wrote an article projecting the fifth and sixth receiver and how those roles should change during the year. And then I wrote uh, a thing about. If, uh, also, before you get to before you go any further, I wonder if DJ Montgomery got sent out for an MRI yesterday. Obviously, he missed practice today with a hamstring, so I'm wondering if maybe that's where DJ was yesterday. They said excuse for personal reasons, so I assume he had something going on. Is it's you know that would just be you know sending him out to they you know I I don't think they would basically say excuse for a personal reason and then you know sneak in an MRI. Um, I don't know the answer to that, but. Uh, and then I wrote a thing about Freddie Kitchens uh, being, you know, not afraid to book conventional wisdom, very comfortable in his own skin, uh, which I think is going to Sorry, work. Sorry, Indians fans. Oh, man, he took the – is this dude's name really Conforto? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know Steven Nelson? Uh, you see the Bleacher Report guy, now he works at MLB Network. He went to college with him. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is, uh, for anybody watching, um, if you want to Google Michael Conforto's mom, oh, yeah. She was an Olympian. She's a good-looking lady. Yeah, but Michael Conforto's a good player. Uh, but here's the big thing for all you Indians fans. Mets are going to get to the bullpen soon, and that is never, ever a good thing. Go ahead, bud. Yeah, Bieber got a lot of the plate with that. Anyway, yeah, so talking about Freddie Kitchens, uh, his, his – basically the thing that has fascinated me about – uh, camp and preseason, and this is not just about the Browns, this is every team, is how many different teams are taking completely different paths with this, and the Browns have been no exception. So it's just sort of unique twist on it and just discussing that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, and look, Freddie, he's going to find his way through this. And look, and this is the thing, that with every head coach and with every camp, you're going to do things differently. And there's times, obviously, look, you know, Freddie's been shorthanded at times at certain positions. And that's why there's literally nine freaking tight ends on the roster right now. So who knows what you're going to see, you know, uh, you know, Friday night against Tampa Bay. So that's all of this stuff. It's crazy because you can't, you can have a plan for how you're going to handle your summer, how you're going to handle your preseason games. But if the guys aren't ready to go, the guys aren't ready to go. And it's, it makes things very difficult. You know, Miles, if Miles isn't feeling well today and could practice today, He's not going to be in the field Friday. It'd be absolutely insane to even preposterous to even put him out there. And then there's the offensive line to be figured out. And, you know, some guys aren't helping themselves there. Uh, it, it just gets, you know, it gets long in the tooth because you have a plan on how you want to do this, but you need everything to come to fruition for your plan to succeed. And it just doesn't always work out that way. Uh, so with that, we're going to put a bow on this here. So at underscore Pete Smith underscore, make sure you're following over there. Uh, Browns Maven, make sure you're following over there. Brownsmaven.com, set up, become a member, get involved in the forums. You're talking Brown stories with Browns folks. Uh, business is going to pick over there. Trust me, it's going to. Uh, as far as the show at Locked On Browns, all lowercase, uh, always follow back account, and DMs are always open over there. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, guys, I just I can't appreciate all the support. I mean, the numbers right now are off the charts. Um, we're here every day for you guys, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to give you great content. We're going to give you everything we have, and we're having a blast doing it because, it, you know, as we say all the time, it's been a long time for any of us covering this team where we're trying to – we're not trying to find the bright spot anymore. It's which bright spots we want to talk about today, and, you know, look, there's some negatives along the way, so don't get upset about that because we're going to give you information on every single thing, so that goes along with it. But with that, we're going to put it close to this. has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.